You're listening to Red Nation Online. Lots of red juices back defending as Iguain looks to put the perfect ball into the middle. Cleared away by Moore. Only as far as Apple. What a save from Bonnell and blocked again. And I think it may well have been Raheem Edwards who got his body. Tuesday, November 21st, it's Prospect 11 and EMB Sports' Aaron Nielsen. I'm Ian Clark. We're back from watching TFC hang on in Columbus for a nil-nil draw and keep it all on the line at BMO Field next Wednesday. A tactical and disciplined display almost came completely undone in the final 10 minutes, but Alex Bono saved the day and kept a critical clean sheet. We discussed the crew, the match at hand, and look ahead to the home game with predictions and who might be representing the West in the final. It's all that and more on the next 30 minutes on East Side Stand Up. Let's let's uh, open up with that. Here we're we're uh, live and direct from Stanley Park Studios. Not a little damp as it stands right now. Sure. And Aaron, you were just making a comment that this has been this is the last road podcast yeah. of the season. Yeah. Last last appearance. We'll probably make it. Last we, park we, probably. I don't think we'll be. I made the mistake of uh, not booking a table at the football factory. Foolishly thinking maybe it wouldn't be packed, but See, it was. I kind of. I kind of. Wow. Well, you know, I don't know if it's podcast worthy, but I kind of like that clout where you still walk in the room and you still get <laughs> what you need without. Like I definitely I, have never been in the football factory with those drums playing. That's for no, sure. So no. that's just, that was a first. That was that was. Well, I thought the atmosphere was good, and I thought the vibe was good, and you could really see that people were trying to show up. You know, when there was no room in the place, kind of thing, and and Kamal and I experienced that year, last year. We haven't seen that prior for me. But we experienced that last year in the final where we went to like five, we weren't, we didn't go to the game. We went to like five or six bars and they were all standing room only or beyond standing room only. So again, you know, I, I say this multiple times, but the passion for the game in the city and the diversity for that passion is always impressive because it's, I never expect it when I, sure. when I see it. So it's, you know, it always amazes me. But yeah, especially that not to, ruined the surprise of the game but uh, you know i was expecting what happened to happen and so you know i don't think anybody who knew the game went to this game thinking fireworks were really, really going to take place right so maybe we just open up with just a quick i mean my quick synopsis of the game was i think you know those points of the game where toronto looked like they were the stronger team but i think the end i think we're probably saying we dodged a bullet Especially down well, the, sure, last, in the and, last five minutes. <laughs> yeah, last five ten. Well, I mean that's and that's yeah. where the game was hinging on was just that one goal. Sure, so sure. to come away looking like Columbus had a couple of really good chances in the last five ten minutes and then come away with a nil nil draw coming home, I think is obviously a nil nil draw is not a bad result. No, so no, I think, I think a nil nil draw is a good result. I think I don't think necessarily the last five minutes is going to motivate the team. I think our perception is is they dodged a bullet, but I don't think the team necessarily thinks they dodged a bullet because they did make, you know, and I, to be honest with you, I think Vanny made some poor substitutions at the end of the game, which put them under that pressure. And we'll talk about the game and everything like that. But my only concern for the next game is the overconfidence, right? Because now we think, oh, look, we tied him 0-0, not to ruin the score, but we tied him 0-0 yeah. at, at away. 
and now we got Javinko and Eltador back, we're going to win, you know, 4 nothing, 5 nothing in the next game, right? You know, I think you would agree with me this. Columbus is your typical MLS team, right? Like, they are uh, slowly improving as the league itself is improving. There's not many guys you pay to see. And it was interesting to me because the guy who really controlled much of their offense up till that last 20 minutes was Santos, who was a kind of new guy. And, and you really saw him, you know, partly I, don't, I think that's the first game he played against Toronto. And you could see that he was, what can I get, you know, how can I get by this guy? What can I do against this guy? And stuff like that. Otherwise, it was a very tactical game where the rest of the players kind of knew what was on the line and kind of played to that fashion. Yeah, and I think when you look at this matchup, I think a lot of Toronto C supporters might have that last home game as how we would have been measuring or using as the barometer for this game, which would have been the complete throttling at BMO Field. Mm. And I think that's mm. maybe the standard that we might have expected. But as we, as you and I both know, as, as the season went on, and especially through the playoffs, Columbus was like, as you kind of flagged, it flagged through the season was the team that you had high expectations for and a team that Toronto probably was the probably the you call it like the bogey team um, that we really need to watch out for in the playoffs that could upset things for us. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think it's surprising that this was the result. I think this is exactly what you want and expect well, I at would, this point. I in the would playoffs. add, I would add, since we I was on your last podcast because I was the home game, that that was probably the worst I saw Toronto play all year. Right, like I think they allowed. You're on the Red Bulls game. Yeah, the last one to get to to pass. I think they allowed the commotion of the game and the struggle. Now, you know, I agree with every. Well, I agree with the argument that the referee had a horrible time. Um, you know, I was very adamant that at the end of the game, you know, I thought that the, you know, the weird offside goal probably should have counted. And then the one that I was very adamant about was is. You know, Vasquez was tackled in the box right at the end of the game, which would have had no influence on the game. It would just meant to, to Toronto, I guess, would have won the game. Um, but they won the series, yeah. Yeah, won, yeah or would have scored. Two legs. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, that whole game, I thought that they allowed New York to get to them. And I think, to Toronto's credit, they didn't allow Columbus to get to them today. And I think that that's the difference. And what we hope, and again, I think there's a stronger rival, you know, even though this is the... Trillium Cup or whatever. I think there is a stronger rivalry over the past couple of years since Toronto got good with New York compared to Columbus. And then the added story of Christian and, and Eltador oh, yeah. Yeah. and fellow teammates and this whole cloud over them because they never made the World Cup. I think there was, it was a more volatile atmosphere in the last game. And I, you know, and I thought they played smooth here. And I, you know, I, I think that I don't really see that the, the 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 next game, the home game, going into that kind of stupidity that happened in that New York game. Yeah, and I think well, part of that, as I think maybe this team kind of, um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if learned their lesson, but I think they've gotten, you know, I'm not sure maybe is it get out of their system, but I mean like the first couple of games they've had that sort of um, poor discipline, and I think now they realize okay, we're down to the stretch and we we have to play a disciplined game. We saw that from Bradley today. Yeah, where where, where until plays were the end of the game. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but plays we would have seen him, um, you know, biting the referee's head off. He, yeah, cal oh, calm, yeah, more calmly. I, I think that's honest. I think that's a good point. I thought that they, you know, I thought the referee didn't did not play. You know, he, he got involved in the play at the beginning of the game, but outside of that, I thought he did a ma a good game. But I think that was the main difference is that Toronto weren't at the throat of the referee and and. To kind of allowed the referee to referee the game as the game 
progressed. And, and because of that, not that the referee gave Toronto benefit, but Toronto, they didn't screw Toronto. Yeah. Right? You know, like, and again, fast forward in the game, the Bono, quote, quote, close penalty play, you know, if the referee was pissed off at Toronto, he might have saw that a different way. But because, you know, the game played out as it did, I think he gave everybody more of the benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah, and I mean, and just to, to knock on to that, I mean, right before that play was the one where Osorio didn't foul the player. Mm. Now, Osorio got upset, but everyone else stayed pretty cool and calm. Yeah. And that might have been a play, like you said, where if, if Bradley had bitten his head off and everyone and Vasquez had come in there and whatever, and the ref might have been maybe less inclined to be balanced... Yeah. When reviewing that, yeah. anyways, maybe just quickly if we we run through what action we can recall, and I think sure. the, I think the, probably from the start the main thing that we would talk about is the formation. I think it was you can you can go in detail of this. I think it was how it was presented at the beginning of the game was probably not the exact formation, you know, because they basically had the two right backs, Bertashore and Hassler, playing on the defensive line, and you know I don't think that was the case. You can see in the game it wasn't the case. But for reasons, soccer reasons, number one, you don't want two right backs on the back line. Sure. But second of all, based on the position Toronto was in, in terms of how they had to play their defensive line, it's easier to play a defensive line with four guys than it is with five guys. Because, you know, when you, because those guys have to be work together throughout the whole game so they don't put a guy accidentally on offside on side yeah. or they don't screw something up right and so and you play too far back right you know the reason you have like this is one of the you know i guess it's a new pet peeve i have with mls the assumption is you're playing five guys in the back is so that you can put your two fullbacks way up front on the wing no one plays no one in soccer plays a back five flat back five right that's just ridiculous because yeah. you would you would just offer so much pressure on your team and it, and it provides you no value, right? So it doesn't give you more defensive security and it allows the team to chase you because your whole team is playing farther back than it probably should, right? So again, yeah, but you can go, you know? Well, I mean, I, I think maybe from that, th the other thing I mentioned, of course, is that with the with the suspensions that we had Ricketts starting the game. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that it's another, another game I wonder if Vanny is protecting Zavaleta and or Hagman oh, okay, from okay. putting them under undue okay. pressure. Like maybe we'll see Zavaleta in the home game, but in a away game um, where the pressure, you know, where that one mistake from a from a younger player could kind of turn the tide, he's maybe kind of shielded him from that sure. and, and held him at bay. And, you know, we have Betashore, you have Moore, like you have my, my hot take, I guess, for lack of a better term, on that is – in some sense, Mavinga and Moore are enough at the back, right? Like, you know, Moore, Haglins, Valletta, you understand why they put three center backs there because they're basically don't feel comfortable that either one of those guys can take on that role by themselves. When you have Mavinga and Moore as those back two, you know, realistically, you know, I'm confident as those two guys as a center back. I don't feel that they need added support. Um, so to me, it's it's... You know, yeah, it'll be interesting at the home game if they do revert to that and, and if they put some guy in there. They would only do it because they want, would want Bertashore and Morrow to play a more of... Yeah, and know. I don't think we've seen Bertashore and, ha and ha um, Hasler on the pitch at the same time. I no, well, they're, they're sort of injury brought in, sort of clash with each other. Yeah. And, but, you know, arguably Hasler, I think, 
historically is more of a right midfielder than he is a, of a fullback, right? right. And, and reality is because Toronto plays the system, you can put a right midfielder at the fullback position. Uh, unless it's five minutes left in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, I don't know what, I mean, I don't know what, uh, obviously there, we've, we've touched on various miscellaneous points um, through the game and over- overarching uh, discussions or discussions. Well, I think, I, but, think, I think before, because I think we're going to get nitty-gritty, and, you know, I think this is probably the first time you saw him, but how much of effect do you think Santos had with Columbus? Because he seemed to be the only... You know, as I, I think I mentioned, he was the only guy trying stuff and going for it. And do you feel comfortable with him being their only attacking option, or do you are you afraid of oh, him? Well, or? I mean, I think I think for me, my impression was that it definitely gives that team another dimension. Yeah, and it gives you another guy other than you know. You, normally, you would focus. Well, now I mean, I'd be watching camera or camera, and and it's Iguain or obviously the players that you're circling on the on the roster for them to to monitor, especially Igwe on our free kicks. And mm-hmm. now with Santos, it seems like they have these two tricky guys that can sort of pull strings and score from well almost seems like anywhere, right? Because so, I watched the Columbus uh New York City FC games and Santos was, I would say, the the difference maker, right? And so, you know, I think it's you know, I think it's interesting that they held him down for a game, which I think will will give them some uh, will be positive for going in the next game because, you know, again, this is the first time they saw him. So his tricks are less tricks now because they've already played against him kind of thing, right? Right, right. And I don't know, I mean, that's the first impressions. Of course, we were seeing him. I was going to say, like, you know, what, what, do we, what do we highlight through the first half? There's not heaps of stuff other than, you know, impressions of play and how Toronto was, was managing Columbus and getting through, you know, the first 45 I, I can't say too much other than, I, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, Toronto, to me, looked super comfortable the first 45. Yeah. It was points where I almost would say it looked almost more like Toronto was the home team struggling against their away opposition, oh, okay. really, okay. than, okay. than okay. Columbus fine. taking it to us. Yeah. But, again, overall, and I mean, maybe it's another thing worth mentioning, it's, do we call it a size and sound, was, in fact, the atmosphere of the stadium. Um, and then the impressions of that, which was uh, Columbus essentially selling out the game. Mm. Um, Toronto sending down a, a pretty good, looks like a pretty good amount of, of supporters. Yeah. Um, to getting that top that top corner. You know, what happens from this point after this game? This is this might be their last home game ever. Uh, sure, sure. Like, like, it's ironic because I think there was more more fervor in the in the bar because sure. of, because when you're in a bar, the boredom of the game has less of an impact. I think the game itself kind of dampened the sort of certainly dampened the Columbus fans, but also probably dampened, you know, it wasn't like I remember a game earlier in the season when Toronto was playing away in Chicago and Toronto was succeeding in that game and the crowd sort of, they were part together, right? And so when the, you know, when, when Toronto took over the game, it was almost like the crowd was part of that environment, right? Today, it seemed like, you know, job well done. And, you know, if, if, Fans are motivated to go see a team do job well done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know it's, it's more power to them, right? Yeah, yeah. But like it, certainly in the game, and you know what will lead up to is the last ten minutes. That passion in the bar had more. You know that was almost the bar adding to that sort of craziness, right? Because number one, you get the the proper angles of what's going to happen and stuff like that, and we were all sort of building up to that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So, well, then and then that's maybe that's what we lead up to because there's not heaps to make note of through the game up until yeah. like the last yeah. the last 10 minutes was when all the the main action came. I mean Toronto truthfully 
didn't have a lot of luck. I mean, we said this, I said this in the first half, uh, maybe closer to the end of it, but, you know, through the first maybe 30, 35 minutes, you know, I was saying, you know, there's a, a lot of talk about Victor Vasquez and a lot of hyping up of him, especially through the telecast and pregame show. And, you know, I, I mean, obviously I think he's more effective playing mm. behind Josie and, and um, Joe he did, he did send that long ball to Ricketts, which yes. would have been the most, I find funny, and, you know, it's probably whatever, not, not related to where Toronto sees now, but if we were a, a, a regular uh, MLS team with a regular budget, that those would be our, like our DP situation, right? Like Vasquez would be throwing it into the box so that you're good, but local player would be trying to put it into the net, yeah. right? And to Toronto's credit, we're beyond that. Like we have that option, but we're beyond that. And and you know, and what I've said earlier in the season, this is one of the reasons why I've saluted Altidore's play on the field because he does provide other options, right? And although you know the target, the fast target man is can turn a game you know we were certainly more offensively we caused more trouble offensively with Altador in the game than Ricketts Ricketts was only there for his special moments right he wasn't really doing right. much outside of those where I think with Altador you know 80 you know even though it's a lot of it's could potentially be ugly most of the game he's an impact right yeah. where Ricketts was only an impact when he was a guy who could either outrun a guy or out or out Strength the guy, yeah, right? I would leap him. I'll leap him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty fair. So, I mean, like that's that's those are my imp- and then if we go into the, the second half, I mean, it did lead up to well, the substitutions were worth noting, right? And you yeah, see- like I think I think the substitutes are very interesting because number one, you know, the only debatable because we kind of went to the roster at the beginning of the game, the only debatable thing was would you put Cooper in for Delgado or Rosario mainly, in the starting mainly, lineup? Yeah. In the starting lineup because Cooper's capable of holding the ball and wasting time. And then the second thing, and, and you know, for the most part, you know, even since Vanny started the job, I've been quite positive about him. And I've been joking about this, not in a negative sense, just as a joke, but it seems that our substitutions are almost so formulaic. You, they substitute for the sake of substituting, right? right? And I think they put Toronto under pressure in the last 10 minutes because they substituted for substituting. Like, I don't think there was no need for that. Other than to say, oh, we got to put a substitute in the game. And because of that, it put us under pressure for the last five, ten minutes of the game, right? And so, I, you know, if we had allowed the goal, you could have said, well, maybe Ricketts or Edwards made a poor play or someone else. But I think most of the responsibility would have been put on Vanny. Because I don't think he can necessarily justify that. Other than saying, oh, we want Vasquez, you know, 100% for the next game. And we think Ricketts can, or I mean, we think Edwards can play in that role. But you're just putting your team under, un, you know, you don't put yourself under pressure just for no particular reason, just to make the game more exciting. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and that's and that's sort of maybe the, that's the that's the point of what we're getting at was that, I mean, to be direct or to be blunt, I mean, Edwards played very like poor. I mean, well, no, yeah, I no don't. Well, I, I think that's always been the issue when we've been judging Edwards because we've been quite uh, bold in terms or bold in terms of what we expect, what we think of Edwards. But I don't think he's a left back. I don't think he's a right back. And I certainly don't think, like, he doesn't have that experience, right? Like, we even joked, and nothing came from this play, but uh, Higuain had a cross from the outside wing where uh, Edwards was putting his foot in a few times, right? And arguably, if that was against Javinko or Santos or a smart player, he'd just, you know, he'd just fall over, right? And say, hey, the guy clipped me when I was trying to send the cross right. into the play. It's partly to do with awareness. It's partly to do with, you know, like it's the pressure of the situation. 
multiplied by the lack of experience in those situations. Right. Right. Like I rather have if you're going to put Edwards in because you like his speed because like what you whack, I put him for the first 45. Right. Because you know at worst you know you could go down or you could substitute him. Right. You could substitute him in the 20th minute if you felt that he was drowning. The weak you know the yeah. weakest link. But what you're doing now is you're, you're just saying, oh, okay, we're praying that we get out of this. And we prayed and we got out of it. <laughs> yeah, we got, yeah, a lot of praying to get out of it. Well, and that's, I mean, the, the, the key moments really were, I mean, the one was the, um, <coughs> you know, which, which uh, I think Edwards was involved with in the buildup. But it was, a, it was that poor clearance right out of the, the ball that was swung in. And I think it was Moore who knocked it right to the top of the Well, 18. I felt that they were very... Like it, it was funny because they were very classic MLS, but they were just very not in control. Right. Right. And and you see the irony, and you know I'll give a funny pretext to this, is a couple of weeks ago we were watching, I believe it was Toronto against uh, Atlanta, and at the yep. end of the game because Toronto wanted to get the record for most points of the season, they were wasting time, right, Cause to go away with the draw. And I said, why didn't they pass backwards? Because they'll waste more time passing backwards and playing within their own end than trying to get it up to the corner offensively. And the reality, like the irony is, is we look at what playing devil advocates here, but you're looking at what Bradley was doing and how he lost the ball. But on the other end, he wasted a minute of play. Right. Because he was sitting on the ball, not sure what to do, or he was letting Columbus come to him on one of the plays. And so, you know, I, I love how we almost have that sort of English mentality that if you don't know what to do you just kick it out right oh, yeah. which which is which again i it's, i think there's validity to it but at the same time it just guilty seems, as charged, it's yeah. counter you know it's it's very counterproductive right yeah. like because if you can play the ball out you can benefit by how much time you waste but also by what you can get away with by doing that right yeah. so so in, in bradley's case i think it was part just the frantic of the situation but i think they were actually trying to waste as much time on the clock as they possibly could because they wanted to leave with the zero zero drop yeah well i mean to that point yes they definitely were not putting the ball downfield the old english style and that's i think what a lot of people <laughs> were hoping now there was could. there was a case where johnson Osario should have went to the corner and he decided to <laughs> try to go i guess take a shot you know try to go into the box or something yeah. like that right so there is situations on the other end where wasting time is more effective just because you're that's what your goal is you know let's say hypothetically you know we're playing this game like a third division team in england we're putting ourselves under a huge amount of pressure because if your goal is just kick the ball out every time you get access of it in your own 18 yard box then that means they're going to get 100 corner kicks and 100 you know throw-ins against you so yeah. you know i rather take the you know, you know, do the cross and get yeah. away with it than be under pressure for, you know, 30, 40 minutes of the game, right? Yeah. So, I mean, just to circle on the, the two plays, I mean, the the star, the, the, the player of the game was a cross between Bono and the woodwork. Okay. Uh, both of those kept out fair. the biggest goal, the goal opportunities. Uh, and we walk away with a nil-nil draw. So, I mean, we kind of started the podcast by mentioning, but I think, you know, given the circumstances, I think given the opposition, uh, and, like I, and like I noted, sort of, kind of like wiping out that that home, uh, I think it was the 5-0 win, and giving Columbus a lot more credit. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, a playoff game, whatever. I think a nil is a good result for us to come back home. Um, yeah, my, and, and my, what's, my what only... What is your feeling at sentiment of, of coming back to My only field? fear of a nil-nil is it means that the game is on the edge the whole game, right? It means that as soon as any team scores, then that's the difference of the game. And you could say soccer gods or, or history proof 
that when the game's 0-0, both teams play scared, right? So if it was 2-2 or even if it was 2-1 Columbus, I'd almost have more confidence with Toronto going into the next game because they knew exactly what they had to do. So I think it's going to be on edge game. But, you know, as we said, most situations this season, you know, I, certainly on paper, Toronto's the better team. Yeah. Um, I think that Juvinko and Eltador should be motivated. But to their, you know, I, you know, other than a red card, I don't think they'll, you know, they can't miss the final. So they can be as aggressive as possible outside of the, you know, I, you know, I expect us to win easily or win ugly and be the sustain of every MLS fan who's not Toronto because they're going to say, oh, look at, you know, Javinko rolling on the ground or look at Eltador complaining. Yeah. But that's what given us success. Yeah. Right? And at this point of the season, that's what you kind of have to do, right? And that's why I give us so much confidence because whatever circumstance we're in, I think we have the fortitude to, you know, to, to, get, through to, to get through it. Yeah, and, you know, maybe... Um and I would probably agree or concur with with pretty much all that. I think I think Toronto. I think at, you know at home in house. You know I, again, I was kind of looking at you know the way Columbus played today and how players perform. And you know in MLS is you know the, there is a huge home field advantage. Mm. Um, so I think I, you know I take away from a nil nil draw in, in Columbus's with that with ourselves with the home field advantage. I'm interested to see how a player like Santos plays at BMO Field. Um, yeah, in a night no, like I think, on, that, I think in, that'd be fair. In a colder night than probably sure. tonight will and, be. And again, I think, to be honest with you, I think even though I find Columbus to be a difficult team, I think Toronto matches up better with Columbus. Like, I think, you know, I think Mensa yeah. is a red card waiting to happen, right? And I think that that's the guy who um, Eltador and Javinko thrive to play against, right? So, you know, I think if there is an influence on the game, either referee or momentum or something like that, it will be in our control, right? right? And, and the worst thing to be is, is not have any control over the game, right? Like, not only be, you know, at risk, but not also have any control of the game. To, to bring back today's game, I thought Toronto was outside of the last five minutes. I thought Toronto was very much in control of this yeah, game. Yeah, agreed. You know? Um, and maybe one last before we kind of like wind this down, a quick segue, mm-hmm. if you have any thoughts of, um, you know, the Western Conference. I was going to mention that. I didn't know if you wanted to well, host a, a mattress or something well, like that. Well, yeah, wanna... it is exactly what I'm, <laughs> that's my, that's my greatest fear if we get through, you know what I'm talking about. But I mean, of course, you know, you have pretty, um, you know, good insight in both those teams. By the time this podcast comes out, we'll know. Yeah, um, where where the Houston? Well, Houston I think I think it's I think it's 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 a diary of the season, right? Like I think where Toronto is right now is a diary of the season. Like if we wanted to write a book about the season, I think it would. I think the chapters would fit very well. But you know, one of our and I, you know, arguably, I think it was us first to bring this up. But you know, very early in the season, we were asking which team is going to challenge Toronto, right? Like which team really in the league? Then we didn't mean the final; we meant every week. Like who's going to give us a game, right? And and you know, I have connections to Houston and stuff like that, so I have a part. I hope good for them, um, and know what they're trying to kind of do. And I'm not as shocked as probably everybody else that they got this far that they did. But I'm also one who says that Seattle's the second best team in this league, right? And, and, you know, I remember we were at, you know, earlier this season, we saw Seattle away and Toronto was able to get a one nothing win in a weird game where they rested almost everybody. Yeah. And, it, and to me, it, it, was, it was a great feeling, but it wasn't Seattle, right? And so, 
you know, I think both those teams are scary in the final. You know, I think if Toronto fans wanted to sleep easier, I think they hope that Houston gets through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and again, I think Houston will probably bring a better better game because he Houston's like that sort of young, motivated team who just wants to yeah. go out there and prove themselves. Mm-hmm. Where Seattle, you know, knows what it takes. Like they could try. Like you know, the 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 scary thing with Seattle this year was that series against Vancouver, where in the game in Vancouver. They knew they didn't have to do anything, and then the game in Seattle, they knew they had, you know, what the position Toronto is in right now. Yeah. And they and they took it to, they did it perfect. Like Vancouver didn't even have a chance in that series, right? Right. So you know, so Seattle scares me. Um, I do think this is a fair reflection in terms of the 2017 MLS season. I think the teams that are here deserve to be here because of who they are as a team, but also you know what they've done in the playoffs and what they've done during the regular season. Yeah. Aaron, we, we had a good point on this podcast. We're sitting outside. It's beginning to rain, too. It's a little <laughs> bit of rain. Not as cold. Like, it's, like we said, it's, uh, it's, I'm not going to complain about uh, we're not wearing our puffy jackets or anything like that right now. So that's a positive. I got a buddy from Dallas coming to the Columbus home game. So we'll see. Yeah. I was at the weather. The weather's supposed to be good, though. But well, I said we'll probably be saving the, the, <laughs> that for the, the home games. But, mm-hmm. you know, for this last away game. Of the year, uh, no complaint. I don't even know if there at the beginning. I don't even think at the beginning of the year when we did an outside one that no, we were no. like bundled no. up. We're all supporting winter seasons now. <laughs> yeah, Global right. warming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. That's I, that's been the other story of the season, right? Where usually at this time of year or at the beginning of the year, we're almost dreading. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the reality. Would, but would been, I would have been. We would have been fretting this 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 yeah, podcast, fretting, yeah. right? Because we would have been like, oh, we got to stay indoors at the football factory and it's super loud. And we didn't have a good table, but we both were like, I don't know, let's go outside. So, sure. Uh, everyone knows, Aaron, you're at uh, Prospect 11 or EMB Sports, um, and lots of things cooking for you that really aren't. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, on the DL, but there's a lot of exciting. Sure, I mean, sure. I mean, you're involved in a lot. You got your hands in a few different places. You were, uh, you checked out the, yeah, the yeah, TFC showcase yeah. and a little bit of CamPL stuff. So, yeah, yeah. The Toronto showcase was was quite interesting. Um, it was Toronto basically giving an opportunity for other provincial champions to kind of play them in a sort of a fair tournament um and toronto i think went four and oh um but you know i think that's a reflection of how much effort toronto's have now put into their academy team but also um it shouldn't be a criticism of the other teams it's just that you know i from my impression of the tournament the other toronto teams have played the toronto teams play together more often than than the opposing team right. but but yeah you know but you had sigma you had vaughn you had you know the names of that you want to hear in ontario soccer and you and you know and in a few years time you'll have the names you want to hear right. in ontario soccer so hopefully um you know hopefully i'll try to meet you with the podcast next week but you know after the final we should do try to do a year in review kind of thing because i think it's been a great year for soccer in general, TFC wise, but then just the game in, in total. And yeah. we saw it today, you know, sights and sound. We saw it a reflection today at the football factory. Right. You know, a lot of people there tonight were guys who I've, you know, probably never seen there before. Right. right so right. it just shows, you know, the momentum of the game. Right. Yep. And uh, okay. So leave that, leave that, that Aaron. And of course, everyone knows I'm at Clark Arno or at Red Nation Online. Info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. So we got a few, hey, we got a few emails the last couple of games, actually, the last one. We had quite a few actually people writing in, putting wing, and what they thought of the referee. Oh, uh, okay. That okay. was well, well 
we'll put out there. So thanks, thanks guys for sending that in. Hey, hate the ref and not us. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I like that. So we'll leave it at that. I mean, we'll be back for the home game. So uh, yeah, that's right. A nil-nil draw, and it's all on the line um, in about a week from now at BMO Field. So I'll leave it there, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot, Aaron. No problem. And we'll catch you guys next time. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agreed, disagreed, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online from the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, in our interview series. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next time.